Church, I don't know if you've known this, but we've been talking about suffering and sacrifice for months. It's as if God has prepared us for this moment. We have months ahead of us. Are we going to learn to forgive people and go deeper and forgive deeper things inside of us? Or are we just going to survive? In order for us to love well, we'll need to forgive the foibles and the flaws, right? The little stuff, the the things that happen on a day-to-day basis. But we must learn to do the hard work of forgiving. We got to forgive those that abused us as they abused our Savior. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the tech guy at Life Church Canton, and I'm the host for this show. I'm so thankful that you're listening. I hope that you're feeling healthy. I hope that your family is feeling healthy. Um, and I hope that you're not going too crazy in this time of uh, mandatory quarantine uh, here in Michigan, at least. Um, I hope that you're finding some rest in the midst of this time. Um, we've moved uh, everything that we're doing online. Um, we're still doing services on Sunday. We're just broadcasting that via Facebook Live. So I'd encourage you to go check us out uh, on Facebook. Also, um, We do post the the videos um, on our website as well of the sermon, and I encourage you to go watch this particular one uh, that Nathan preached. Um, At the end, there's uh, he's actually you know doing a visual illustration of something that maybe isn't going to translate the best over audio. He's actually burning a file cabinet, so I encourage you to go watch that. You can you can check those out at lifechurchcanton.org/now, but. Without further ado, here's Nathan, week three of Cross Equals Love. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone. My name's Nathan, and I'm one of the pastors here. And I'm grateful you're joining us this morning. If you're new, we want to know. If you could just put in the comments, I'm new, that would help us out so much. We'd love to send you a direct message and welcome you. You can also sign up on the Now page. Uh, A Now page is the easiest way to sign up for anything, um, any of the announcements, even if you missed them at the beginning of the gathering. You can go to lifechurchcanton.org slash now. That's the best place for up-to-date information about what is going on. And if you could do me a favor right now, if you're on a computer or a device, could you share it? Could you share it right now to everyone? Maybe even tag someone you think needs to see this. That would help so much. Uh, Commenting as well is great. Anything I say during the message, if it touches you or there's something that you wanna share, go ahead and put a comment down or even a question on there or a prayer request. We are here to be a community together and we can do that uh, through Facebook and online. Check out our podcast. Maybe you're even listening to the podcast afterwards. Welcome. I am glad you're here. We're in a series called Cross Equals Love, and it's all about sharing our story and the story of the cross equals love. See, this is a torture device. It's a death device, the cross. It's it's something that's supposed to represent death, and yet it equals love. We have a story to tell. And you can share that with people. Invite people to our Easter service. It's going to be incredible. It'll be online, same time, same place, and you'll want to be there. It's going to be an opportunity for them to hear the hope of Jesus Christ and what this actually means and why it matters. We're in this series, and we've been talking about some really cool things. But first, we've been talking about this idea of agape love. In 1 Corinthians 13, it's the chapter all about love. Sometimes it shows up in weddings and It's specifically this agape love, this love that is essential, that if we don't have anything, we're we're nothing without this love. 
It's patiently kind, this love, and it's selfish, not sacrificial. That's the love that we're talking about. That's the love that really, really matters. What's incredible about this love is there's more to explore. I'm going to do that today, but I've been needing these last two a lot lately. I don't know about you and what your situation is at home. Maybe you can share with us. But right now, during this time where we're sheltering in place, we've added two more adults. My mother-in-law and uh, a member of our church are staying with us with our three kids who are seven, four, and one and a half. And they're taking up some bedrooms, which is great. Uh, but now Eden, the baby, is in our bedroom, which serves as a place where we sleep. And I have my office and my wife has my office. It's crazy. I need patient kindness and I need to learn how to Sacrifice. Oh, we thought it was a good idea to redo the main floor where the kitchen is and redo all of the tile. And so right now, my life is a mess. And when you know when you do something yourself on your home, it takes like five times as long. Well, imagine that with people not having a stove or a refrigerator. I mean, my goal is to be done by the end of today, but I don't know if it's going to happen. What about you? I, I've seen some really funny stuff online where they start talking about their coworkers because they're working from home and they start sharing what their coworker is doing. Um, and it, it's kind of funny when you start to phrase it like that. Like if you have a pet and you say something like, my coworker keeps licking my computer screen while make, maintaining direct eye contact with me. It's a little bit weird. Um, my coworker yesterday fell in the toilet while they were going to the bathroom and came down the stairs screaming, uh, mostly naked, dripping wet and crying. We had to change their clothes. What did your coworker do today? What are they doing tomorrow? This is a time where the cross equals love is so important. And so I'm grateful to share something with you. Let's dive back into the scripture. Let's dive into the word of God. This letter that was written about what love is and what love isn't. I think it's important for us to realize that 1 Corinthians 12, 31 helps inform 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 13. It says, I will show you the most excellent way. This is the way that we can love really well. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Whether you know God or not, this love, it means something in our world. Love matters more than anything else. It's essential. It's modified. If, if, if it's this, it's patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Now we've worked through the scripture up to this point, And now we're moving on. It talks about this idea of not dishonoring others, about not being self-seeking. It is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, I could spend an entire sermon on all of those words, but it's important for us to look at this section. It's not easily angered. Man, I am easily angered right now. I don't know about you, when all of my stuff is out of whack, I get easily angered. And this word easily angered, it's actually provoked or paraxuno. Now I've used this word before to talk about because it's used in the Bible before. And what it means is to be provoked in your spirit, to be poked almost. 
And I used it in talking about how the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, he provokes us to do good things, to move forward. But when we are talking about it here, it's when other people provoke us. I really want to be provoked by the Spirit, not provoked by what my children are doing when I'm trying to get work done. How about you? Well, I believe that this next section that we're going to focus all of our attention on helps us understand that. It keeps no record of wrongs. See, this idea of record of wrongs, I think it informs the rest of the passage that it gets in the way of love, these records that we keep of wrongs. Well, love, love does not keep a record of wrong. It, love, keeps no record of wrongs. Now, this, this word record, what does it mean? Well, it's an accounting term for a ledger of unpaid bills. Now, I know that hits close to home for some of us right now, the idea of unpaid bills, but that's what this means. It's a record of things that need to be paid. Now, I think of it this way. You guys have records and paper records. I know it's, it's old and outdated, but paper records still seem to be the case here. We need them. These are records that we have. It's almost like we have records of wrongs and we have files with people's names on them. Like you could say, uh, oh, your coworkers, your coworkers, man, you, you get whether at home or actually your coworkers, there's a whole list of, of things they've done that really bug you or that they've done wrong to you. Maybe it's your family, maybe it's your spouse, and you can say, oh, do you remember on September 30th, 2016, you left the dishes out even after you said you were going to put the dishes away. Let's put that down in this handy-dandy ledger. And so we have file after file after file of these, these records. We even keep cabinets of them where we can file them away and we can see them all in order. It helps us make sense of the world. It's a cabinet of undealt with wrongs, a cabinet of baggage, a cabinet of unforgiveness. Now, maybe that's not how your mind works, this idea that, you know, I'm going to keep record of everything. Well, maybe instead it's more like an actual record, vinyl. I know these are making a comeback and I really enjoy this, but maybe it's more like this kind of record, a record that when someone comes up to you or you interact with someone, maybe it's your boss. When your boss walks into your room or your spouse walks into the room, there's some kind of backdrop, right? It's the history of everything, almost like a, a soundtrack. And once that gets started and you see them coming, it starts playing. And whether you know it or not even think it's happening, you start to play some music behind everything that you're hearing. What is that for you? Maybe it's something good. Maybe it's something bad. Maybe you hear this song when, when your child comes up to you and they've got this look on their face and you can kind of tell they just did something in the backdrop you're hearing, like, very superstitious, right? Like, it, it's just something like that. Or, or you're hearing it's too late to apologize in the back of your head when, when your husband comes home and, and they're really, really late. And already when they walk in the door, you're thinking, it's too late. Yeah, it's too late. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe, though, things are going well. And the record that's playing in your head when your spouse walks into the room, you know, maybe we have a lot of time together, but things are going well. And you have some Marvin Gaye getting on there and it, and it starts like hearing in the back of your head like, Let's get it on. Let's get it on. You know, like that. We're going to have some Corona babies. I'm just going to say that. We're, we're going to have a boom of babies because the right record is playing. 
So whether it's a record like this, where it influences everything that they say, kind of like a movie where scary music comes on, you start to see things as scary. If you have a record of someone who's done you wrong, man, that changes the way you interact with them. See, you're starting to see how these records, these records, they affect something. They change things. Our records of wrong, they prevent us from loving like God. These things actually get in the way of love. Do you know that? I mean, as I'm, I'm living tighter with people right now, I'm realizing that when I start to count all the things that people have done to me, against me, or to someone I love, it hurts me from being able to love them. It has a cost. It costs us relationships. Some of us have lost relationships because we have built up such a file against people that no matter what they do, it's just going to get added. And it can't bear the weight of it anymore. Our effectiveness at work, our effectiveness in, with people and in our family, it's all weighted down by this. And all of us feel heavy. We feel heavy from carrying these files, these cabinets of wrongs. The older we get, the bigger they seem to get. And some of you are tired. One of the worst things is this. We're prevented from seeing the good in people because all we can see is the wrong that they have done. We're prevented from seeing the good in people because all we can see is the wrong that they have done. When love is lacking, every word is viewed in suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding and conflict abounds. Our record of wrongs, it prevents us from loving like God. 1 Peter 4, 8, it's one of the verses that I've memorized. It's above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. These wrongs that people do, when we love deeply, when we love them like God loved them, it kind of covers over them. And, and it's important to, I think of it like this. If you're ever baking a cake and you have like three layers to the cake and there's some imperfections in the cake, you know, and you're layering it on top of the icing, you can, with the icing, you can form and shape it. It's almost like when we love deeply, it's like we're glazing this beautiful cake and it becomes perfect and beautiful and it's glaze and icing, it's sweet, it enhances the flavor. It's almost like love does that. And he calls us to love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, love each other deeply means fervent love. It's marked by this eager, earnest, persistent effort. It's important that we become eager to love each other, to look for ways to love each other when you're living next to them every single day. Now, this love covers over a multitude of sins. It's like that cake, but this word, it, it means prevents from being discovered. It doesn't allow it to be written down or held against. When things happen and they do, it is dealt with, and it's dealt with through the lens of forgiveness and love. See, love makes allowances for people's foibles and flaws and forgets wrongs that are done. Love doesn't get hung up on pet peeves, but chooses to give grace in those moments. So here's what I want you to do. Right away, action step, right away, because I just talked about a lot of stuff. This is important. Write down all of the flaws, wrongs, and annoyances from each and every day. Or maybe you could do it every single week. I'm going to ask every single one of you to do that today. 
today on Sunday, at the end of the week or the beginning of the week, depending on how you look at it, to write down all the things that went wrong. Now, we're going to have a lot more than normal because we're living tight together and things aren't going well and our emotions are high. So write them down. If you need to categorize it by individual, do that. It's so important in this moment to realize that we have agency in our anxiety and frustrations. Write them down. I want to show you why. Now, maybe you do this as a, as a family and you each make your own list and you don't have to air everything that you're mad about with other people that might be hurtful, but you write those things down. You count them. But then you do this. Then what you're going to do is take it outside on a piece of paper and burn it. Every night, every single night, burn it. Don't add to your file cabinet of unforgiveness. You can do this as a family, a way to forgive each other and start fresh. In fact, I want to ask you to maybe take a picture of it. Take a picture of it and post it online and hashtag it or, or post 1 Corinthians 13.5. It keeps no record of wrongs. This ritual of starting fresh every week could be so important in these next couple weeks, these next couple months, as life changes moment by moment. And then, as you can already see ahead of time, repeat as necessary. Repeat as necessary. Now, some of you noticed something, and you noticed it right away. You noticed it before I pulled it back off, and then when I put it back on the screen, and it was this. You noticed that I spelled necessary wrong. And I actually did that on purpose to see if one of you or multiple of you were annoyed. You could put in the comments if you actually were annoyed. That's totally okay. But I'm giving you a chance to forgive one of my mistakes. Since, you know, I'm so perfect and it's really hard for you to find any flaws with me. I just thought I'd give you one. And everyone in here is like, nah, Nathan, you're, you're pretty flawed. But forgive me this one. So maybe you should do this. Now, this is a great way for us to move forward in this crisis, but... This scripture isn't just talking about day-to-day -day stuff. It's talking about deeper things. And I want to go deeper with you. Love, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Truly between 1 Peter and this Corinthians passage, we aren't given much of a choice but to forgive, to love, to let things go. This is what 1 Corinthians 13 means. It gives us no escape hatch. There's no escape hatch to this call to love. There's no way to get out of it. There's no if, and, ors, buts. We have to get rid of our records of wrongs. I want to call each of us out. Most of us, we have this kind of mentality. If you hurt me, I will cut you, right? Or at least I'll cut you out of my life. We have surrounded ourselves with the people that we know and can manage. And we've cut everybody out who could hurt us, or has hurt us too much. And what we have done is we have confused boundaries with records of wrongs. What do I mean like that, by that? If you hurt me one time, I will put up a boundary, a wall, so that I can never be hurt by you again. Now, boundaries are different than that. Boundaries are places of safety where we can become healthy so that we can love so that we can forgive, so that we can reach out. See, boundaries aren't cutoff points to people. Boundaries get us to the place where we can be healthy so that we can extend ourselves out and love. So don't get it twisted. Love is vulnerable. It's not that we avoid hurt by having boundaries, but it allows us to love 
beyond the hurt? When did our boundaries become our safety instead of the place where we learn to extend ourselves to love? I think it happens a lot quicker than we realize. There's no escape hatch to this call to love. And this is what I want you to know. We keep a record of wrongs because we think it protects us. We think it protects us. The reason why we have this record of wrongs playing in our head in the background or, or we keep a file cabinet is because if we hold people accountable to what they have done, then what they did to me wasn't okay. Let me explain it this way. If I keep holding a grudge against someone for what they have done to me, if I keep doing that, then, then, then maybe it means that what they did to me wasn't okay. If I release it, then maybe they'll think, maybe the world will think that what they did to me was right. In reality, it, it wasn't. This cabinet, it, it helps us assess risk to keep people accountable, their wrongs, their mistakes, to be a judge and a jury. Forgiveness is difficult. Working through hurts is uncomfortable. To forgive someone is this quiet strength. It takes a lot of gentleness to forgive, to process through. And it's logical. If we love like the world loves, then it's logical for us to have a record of wrongs, to cut people out when they go too far. That is logical in this world, but we haven't been given this world's love. We've been given God's Love. God's love is essential, it's patiently kind, it's sacrificial, and it forgives. We keep a record of wrongs because we think it protects us when all it does is keeps us from participating in what God is doing in this world and from experiencing the love of God, not just for us, but through us. Truly, many of us are missing out because we are holding on to a standard of our own making to keep people accountable with what only God can keep them accountable for. In some ways, we look to our record of wrongs as our place of safety instead of the God of the universe who calls us to love like he loves. For love to keep a record of wrongs would violate its very nature. For love to keep a record of wrongs, it would violate its very nature. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. I want to explain something to you. I, I've been working on my floors a lot, as you've heard, and man, it, it's not fun work, and I was doing really good. I was doing really, really good until I hit my finger with a hammer. Any of you hit your finger with a hammer? Uh, I did it. I did it three times so far, and it, it hurt. I said some words that uh, pastors shouldn't say, and blood started to bubble up under the skin. You ever get a blood bl blister? It was so bad, I had to leak it. It was bad. It was bad. Not, why do I say that? Not to gross you out, because when I touch it right now, it hurts. It hurts. And if it still hurts, that means it's still a wound. It's not healed. Most of us understand that. That makes sense. But when we look at our record of wrongs, when we look at the past, there are hurts and things that have been done to us that are still wounds. That when we touch them, when we truly pull away everything and think about it, it hurts. Now, most of us would say, well, I'm, I'm not still hurt. I've moved past it. But we have forgotten that if when you touch it, it still has pain, that means it's not fully healed. And God has called us to heal. When we have not dealt with those deep hurts or we refuse to, 
When we ignore them, when we bottle them up, when we say, I'm not going to look at what someone did to me years ago because I've moved past it, in reality, we are violating love because we are keeping a record of wrongs. We are holding a grudge. We are not healing to the place that God has called us to be healed to. And this is a long process. It's not easy. I'm not pretending it is. It takes a community. It takes consistency. It takes counseling at times. And it takes healthy, safe places to learn to be healthy, to grow so that you can extend forgiveness to others. It doesn't hold on to records of wrongs. This is not forgiveness. This is not the fullness of love that God wants you to experience. And so we can talk about the day-to-day stuff, but we have to talk about the deep stuff. Because if we want to participate in God's love, we cannot keep a record of wrongs. Are we willing to be weighed down continually by the pain of the past? When you try to pick up cabinets full of files and you try to move them, you know, it's really, really hard. In fact, I I can't even move my file cabinet. It's so heavy in my office. And, and, And what we realize is we carry these baggage into every one of our relationships, into every one of our churches. Are we willing to continue to be weighed down by our own pain, by our own grudges, by our own record of wrongs, our own judgment? Are we willing to do that? Or are we willing to take a risk on letting go of those things to be free? If that's the case, we must forgive. We must learn to forgive. Colossians 3, 8 through 9 says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone. Now what does it say? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. In other places in in Matthew, it says, If you don't forgive other people, then God won't forgive you. That's what they're saying is right here is forgive as the Lord forgave you. He's saying this forgiveness that God has given you, it can't stay within you. It's got to continue to move through you. We have to stop blaming and holding people uh, to the offenses that they have given us. This scripture is teaching us we have to forgive each other because God forgave us. All God's gifts bring a responsibility. All of them bring a responsibility and forgiveness is a gift. We're in this series, Cross Equals Love, because God forgave us. So one of the gifts of God is his generosity. And he calls you to be generous in response to the gift of generosity that he's given to you. See, it's a responsibility that you have been given. His patient kindness to you for your past mistakes and your continual mistakes, especially the sin issues you're still working through, that patient kindness with you, it must flow through you to the people around you as a responsibility and a gift. His sacrifice for you must empower you to sacrifice for others. And his forgiveness of you must flow through you to others. That's why it says, like, you have got to forgive. Forgive as the way the Lord has forgiven you. All God's gifts bring a responsibility. Finally, I want you to know that this cross, it means forgiveness. That this was a work, a work of love. Jesus had to die. Jesus had to die to pay for our sins, to make our relationship with God right. It was patient. It was kind. It was mercy. It was grace. It wasn't something that he had to do. And yet he chose to do it. And he did it by suffering and dying on a cross. That's why this means love. Because of many things, it represents the forgiveness of our sins. We're blessed 
to bear the same responsibility to carry our cross as I preached weeks ago. To carry our cross is our burden and our responsibility to move towards what God has given us in sacrifice and suffering. Church, I don't know if you've known this, but we've been talking about suffering and sacrifice for months. It's if God has prepared us for this moment. We have months ahead of us. Are we going to learn to forgive people and go deeper and forgive deeper things inside of us? Or are we just going to survive? In order for us to love well, we'll need to forgive the foibles and the flaws, right? The little stuff, the the things that happen on a day-to-day basis. But we must learn to do the hard work of forgiving. We got to forgive those that abused us as they abused our Savior. We got to forgive those who slandered us like they slandered him. We have to forgive those who stole from us, who bullied us, who hurt us, who left us, who neglected us. We have to forgive them. We have to stop holding them in a prison and realize that when we don't forgive people, we're not holding them in prisons. We're holding ourselves in a prison. And we can't experience the love of God and we definitely can't give it the way that he has called us to do. But it's not going to change until we learn to get rid of our records of wrongs, to dive into something deeper and more meaningful. And some of us refuse to embrace or acknowledge the pains we still bear. We're past it. We're stronger. We've gotten over it. But when we touch it, it still hurts. God has hope for you that in this process of releasing these things, that your healing is going to come. This weight that you're feeling, it's stifling. And we hold on to our records of wrongs to feel secure, to feel like this is what makes the world make sense. And if I just keep myself from hurting this risk assessment, or if I play the right kind of music, I will make sure that I can keep myself from getting hurt. And into the world that makes sense, to the world that's shrewd. But in God's eyes, it's a half of a life. It's no life at all. It's not a life of love. It's not a life that participates this burden, this responsibility that you could see the love of God transform people's lives if you forgive them and release them from what they have done to you and you can see it in your family. So I'm calling your family, I'm calling you to start that process on burn some records. It's time to release them. It's time to give them up. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, at the middle of the message, I challenged you, and I'm going to challenge you again, because we need to learn how to be really good at forgiving things. We have an opportunity to do that, and I want to see it. So if you could, I'd encourage you tonight, maybe weekly you do this, but definitely tonight, that you get your family together And you start to personally write out all the things that are frustrating you, all the things that you're keeping a record of wrongs, that you're holding against people, like a little file folder, and you you put it on something that burns. And then you take it outside as a family and you burn it together. It's a way to start fresh, a way to forgive people, a way to love. See, God is calling us to keep no record of of wrongs, to, to love each other deeply in a way that transforms the world. Now, if we learn how to do this daily, then it's going to help us with the deep things. You see, I've got a whole file cabinet. It's from an entire life 
of a record of wrongs, and so do you. File after file, with name after name, and it's heavy. And you think about this, how am I gonna get rid of all of this on my own? Well, in reality, it doesn't happen in a moment. It happens daily as you learn this process of forgiving over and over again. You see, what happens and what changes is that when you begin to burn the records from every day, the Holy Spirit gets involved. When you start to position yourself to say, you know what, I'm going to get rid of the daily things, the Holy Spirit shows up in a huge way and He helps you get rid of the deep things, the things that have been wrong for years, the things that have been causing you pain and struggles, and the Holy Spirit gets involved and He starts to heal you. He starts to change things and He starts to burn all the things in your life that get in the way. I can't encourage you enough to go on this journey, this journey of transformation, this journey of change. See, we don't just do this for ourselves. We do this for a world. Church, if we become people who forgive, if we are the people who forgive, people in the midst of this trial and beyond, we get to see what God can only do. And God can do incredible things. So I encourage you, love each other deep, deeply. Forgive each other. Forgive each other as Christ has forgiven you. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, you can go to lifechurchcanton.org/now for our now page, or fill out the form linked in the show notes below, and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you watched Life Church for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about that. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.